0: So I'd like to introduce, um, Ash and Ollie this morning, um, from Sipt. We've been working for, a, uh, with, with them for a little while now. Um, they formally founded Sipt last year, um, and, um, yeah, started life, I believe, as accountants for their sins. Um, <coughs> and, uh, yeah, they, um, they've taken an amazing path actually. So, um, they did begin with the intention of creating an entirely different drink and I'm going to ask them a little bit to just talk about how things started but um, and actually um, went further than um, lots of people do when they started their new product development they developed their new products and then they actually set up their own production facility which is not for the faint-hearted actually but an amazing opportunity as well as as most things in life that are you know slightly more difficult you also get presented with more opportunities so I'd like to present them both both and um, welcome yeah so tell me tell me a bit before I start giving all your secrets away so tell me about how you started the company what why did you stop being accountants and start making drinks okay
1: well firstly just so we're clear I'm yeah. Ash <laughs> this is Ollie by the way yeah. um Thank I you. know, we just have two okay. names um but yeah so sipped um I guess it didn't always start but this was going back maybe to 2018 or so, uh, back, a, back in the lives as accountants. Uh, we were in a sort of really busy time at work, um, decided you know let's just call it a night early and go for a quick drink after work, met up uh, around Canary Wharf sort of area and we just did one of those moves, just tried something completely different. So I went for an for a alcoholic ginger beer mm-hmm. and after grabbing that tried it, was like you know what, it's not so that, great. that <laughs> nice, no I didn't enjoy it too much. But what we did at that time, I don't know if it was slightly under the influence or not, we was like, we're going to go home and we're going to make uh, an alcoholic ginger beer. And we're going to make it so much better than this. And it's going to taste amazing. Weeks and weeks of trying, it didn't. So we did have a lot of fun doing it. And we just started sort of spiraling into like this world of experimentation. We're making everything under the sun. We're fermenting yeah. things. We've got like kombuchas, kefirs sodas, liqueurs, everything. Soda streams becoming our new best friend in the kitchen. Uh, And we're literally just whipping up all sorts. And I think it was a bit under a year, about six or seven months maybe of um, messing about. And we were having so much fun doing it. And we were starting to find some really good traction with the sodas. Mm So we kind of, being the accountants we are, started business planning, figuring out whether this would be possible. And... I think that was kind of the idea that sort of started, uh, let the ball roll in, and we just wanted to to go with it, we were like, yeah, you know what, let, let's do this, let's uh, let's have a bit of fun, let's carry on doing this, let's turn this into jobs, let's, yeah, get the ball going on the so kind of now
2: or never moment for yeah, both of us, it's <laughs> like, if we don't do it now, we don't want to look back in 10 years and regret not giving it a go.
1: Yeah, so I guess that was the early, early days yeah. start of SIT,
2: yeah.
0: Yes. yes, well, I, I remember the first drinks we worked with you on with you were not ones that also you ended up rolling with to start with. You. So uh, yeah. Um, yeah. that's that's quite an interesting. Yeah. Question. So how did you how did you get from experimentation onto deciding what the first thing you were with was? I guess
2: uh, I guess um, yeah, we were experimenting with things, and um, I guess it was a lot of guinea pig trialling on friends and family.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, they all tasted a lot of horrible stuff I think and some nice stuff and And there are a few drinks that we kind of got to the point where we we really liked them we enjoyed drinking them and I think that was the sort of trigger moment where we thought oh we can do something more with this this we can turn this into a business.
0: Okay okay and did you did you intend to start up and build your own production to make things all along or?
2: Yeah I think we did I guess um the way we started was making stuff at home and we both really enjoyed that we enjoyed playing around with everything at home Kitchens look like science experiments when we first started. <laughs> the amount of moaning I got because some <laughs>
1: bubbling bottle around the corner letting off weird smells for about a week.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> um, yeah, so we both really enjoyed that aspect of drinks. Um, and that kind of, the, the next step for us was to build a small production unit and um, I like guess small scale um, production was where we started. We've grown this year from there. Um, I guess it also gives you the flexibility to do what you want. Um, we can come into the office next week and make something completely different because we had an idea over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Having our own space to do that in gives us that option.
0: Yeah. Yeah. we
2: Run with feedback,
1: which yeah. is really nice. Like so we've had a few people that might come back and say, this is too sweet, this is too zingy, whatever yeah. words they want to use. And then we can, if we want to, then go in, tweak the recipe um, and almost not relaunch it, but almost have something slightly more improved or refined
0: going forward. Yes.
2: Up the carbonation
0: on the cream soda quite yeah. early on because feedback we got from the first batches that that's great actually that's is, that's is, that is flexibility that if you're working with a contract manufacturer you pretty much don't get unless you're doing it sort of in an upfront trialing phase yeah.
1: um, i guess the commitment to early batches for us it bottles so when we have that first run of bottles we're not always talking in pallet terms or anything like that we're talking it might be a few sort of hundred bottles yeah. a few hundred bottles um that's not going to take very long for uh, lots of guinea pigs to want to try um so they can go out and then for the next run as soon as you've got the feedback you can tweak it literally the next day for the next run
0: which is quite nice that's fantastic so when just looking looking back to when you first set out to set up your own production and and you're planning for the business obviously you know you've got the added advantage of being pretty number savvy Um, what did your what did your upfront vision or or plan look like
1: um i guess we we kind of set out from the offset that we wanted to have this sort of in-house production all this flexibility and the fun that's associated with if you want to have a drinks business you've got to be able to make the drinks as well that's what that's
2: one of the perspectives we took in on it um i guess we started with the dream to launch a soda business and we had the best plans in the world but then covid happened we say the best (laughs) plans in the world Very subjective. last bit of equipment into our production unit the week before the first lockdown so it kind of blew our plans out the water and we had this phase where we weren't really sure what to do because Covid was happening and when things reopened in July um, we wanted to sweeten one of our sodas with an apple juice and um, so we went out to Essex got a whole lot of different varieties of apples and started pressing those to figure out what we wanted to use
1: mm-hmm.
2: and they were so nice um, we just wanted to decided to launch out s express apple juice as a starting point um so that was a big covid pivot so we didn't actually start with the sodas which is where we wanted to start with um, but because of covid we had this pivot and it's actually worked out fantastically and now we have sort of two businesses on the go i guess we've got the apple juice side and the soda side which is great
1: a bit of more than we were expecting to start with <laughs> but um but i guess it kind of yeah. like one of the things we haven't touched on is actually the fact with the sodas one of the, the sort of the ethos that we wanted to carry forward was we only wanted to use sort of real fruit, real herbs, real spices, and something to sweeten. So we've gone for unrefined cane sugars. Um, That is literally all that's in our ingredients list. And it presents its own challenges, but it also has a lot of benefits that come alongside it. Um, And it was following that exact ethos that led us to trying to sweeten this soda with apple juice and open those doors. At the time, the kit we bought was to, to make the apple juice as an ingredient for a soda. So very, very small amount was needed. Um, as we pivoted, we realized that we needed more than just an ingredients worth of this apple juice. So we were pressing on very small kit for a lot of hours last year yeah. to try and make some stock. <laughs> Um, hence the changes this year. <laughs> yeah. yeah, some changes this
0: year. I always find it very impressive when people can pivot, actually, because it's very easy to go into a, a new business or a new product with a very fixed mindset um, and not notice the clues along the way that perhaps they maybe should be doing it slightly differently, or you know, have you considered doing this? Um, I guess the complexities of some of the soda
1: kit was what yeah. presented some challenges for people coming into a production space that hadn't worked in a production space yes. before. Um, so we didn't really understand, I guess even still we're struggling with pumps, pumps are a nightmare. Um, <laughs> <breaking them. laughs> yeah, we managed to break pumps quite easily, but um things like that and getting them into the carbonator, uh tweaking the carbonation using counter pressure fillers it's it's a lot further than something of a still nature. Um, yeah. I guess there are still a lot of challenges that come alongside it um, but yeah, I guess that was where we kind of had to pivot from. I guess, our knowledge perspective, but also the support local movement was huge yeah. around COVID. And we were already looking to sweeten with apple juices and we're on the doorstep of some incredible farms in Essex. Um, and we spoke to sort of multiple farmers who all grow different apples and even the same apple from two farms tastes different. Um, mm-hmm. And you don't see it as much out there. So it was part of partly a natural pivot, but also a little bit of a conscious pivot at the same time.
0: How did you go about it is it's quite a lot of knowledge a developing a product anyway and then b setting up a production facility and then c running it um how did you how did you go about things from a knowledge point of view in terms of of getting help or setting up or equipment and so on Because
2: there's a huge huge amount of reading and research, spent hours in front of the computer, reading up about food safety. Massive nerds, basically. (laughs) So it will be
1: loads of reading.
2: (laughs) A lot of reading, a lot of research. And I guess alongside that, talking to people. um, Mm -hmm. We have some really good friends in the industry now. Not sodas, because there's not a lot of soda companies out there that make their own. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess breweries. We know a lot of breweries Mm -hmm. and talking to them about what they do and what other food businesses do. Um, was hugely helpful when we were starting out.
1: Yeah, handcrafted is something that's got bigger and bigger and more popular. And I guess you're seeing it like most in the craft beer industry. So there isn't many other industries where you've got a rise of all these micro breweries or very, very small scale things. So you're able to speak to people who are in not exactly the same boat, but they're in a similar production space and using similar equipment and things like that and where I guess our products kind of go hand in hand if you're at a tap room or something like that um it was really nice to kind of open the doors and have those conversations with brewers and other business owners and there's a lot of support and networking which has been like probably one of the most fun elements of the business as well.
2: Yeah, I guess so does a weird one because it's not like you can buy something off the shelf that makes fizzy drinks it's piecing together a lot of different things I guess it's a bit of brewing a bit of juice processing um yeah yeah, filtration it's lots of different things put together and to make the episode soda line
0: yeah that's absolutely true i mean you you can go out and buy lots of lots of new very expensive kit but it's your trying to set up as a new business is is pretty tricky unless you've got loads and loads of investment um in order to so uh, you guys went about it in the smart way um just just on that how did you how did you fund setting up your new production facility
1: Um, I guess we'd been working for seven, eight years or so. Um, I guess being the accountants as well, you're always saving somewhere for a rainy day or for a specific reason. So we had some savings at first. And then once this sort of moment of deciding that this is what we wanted to be doing, we had an even more sort of drive to put some money aside to try and do it. Um, So to get us going, we were like privately funded just by ourselves. We tried to cut costs of every single sort of, step of the way Mm -hmm. Um, started
2: on tiny kit as well yeah really small kit just to get going yeah Yeah.
1: and I guess recently as well good and bad as well we managed to help got a little bit of help from the sort of covid uh, grants as well because we were a business underway and I guess part of our recent scale up has been off the back of a bounce back loan so Mm -hmm. um, I guess there's a little bit of loan financing and then the private to sort of get us going
0: that's that's interesting to understand and um just in terms of sourcing kit i mean obviously you've taken lots of advice as well but if if someone on this webinar or someone listening later was interested in setting up their own production do you have any advice on sourcing kit you know uh, whether it's secondhand or scale or how to
1: scale it i guess our challenge was not having the experience in the first instance to know enough about secondhand kit Mm -hmm. um and i guess it kind of translates to a lot of things you don't know how it's been treated in the past and etc um, and that became part of our naivety at that point to not know whether we should be buying secondhand or yeah. any of that and making those cost savings straight up front. Mm-hmm. Um, it would have helped with a little bit of the experience or having like a, a conversation with someone exactly in, in, in the industry. But like we said, there's not a huge amount. Um, so we did a bit of research. We looked at what we were doing at home and what we could do on a bigger yeah. scale and where we wanted almost this very small scale productions to get us started um, it gives us a couple of things for the future. It gives us a starting point for the business, but also pilot kit for as we grow. So if we wanted to, before we commit to a sort of a thousand liters of something, we mm-hmm. can do a small batch on our smaller kit anyway. Um,
2: I think the industry is quite open as well. So mm-hmm. talking to people, um, sort of figuring out what you want to do, finding someone that does something similar-ish and talking to them um, always helps. That's definitely what we've done. Um, people are quite open and, and helpful. I'd say.
1: Instagram is actually really good as yeah. well. Um, like <laughs> however much it could be knocked, just seeing what other people in the space are doing. Um, equipment is one of those really cool things that people yeah. love seeing happening. Like you can get yeah. transfixed watching a bottling line, <laughs> yeah. um, but just those little pointers in a direction to sort of see, oh, there is this machine that does carbonating or there's this style of machine yeah. that does filling, whether it be like linear rotary or anything along those lines. The one that doesn't help with is pumps. Like (laughs) you can look at a pump and not have a clue what's going on. (laughs) One day.
0: (laughs) Yeah, well, I was going to say, you're going to be advising people as pump experts at some point. I don't
1: think so. (laughs) It's been a very, very long way.
0: (laughs) So um, we've we've mentioned that you have sort of two sides to your business now. You've got the, the soda side and the apple side. How did you, how have you approached new product development in terms of, And also I know that you're using natural ingredients and real flavours and how would would have you approached development in terms of the products you've got now?
1: Um, I guess like part of the challenge with using sort of those ingredients is they're so variable. Mm -hmm. Um, No two fruits are identical. Um, And it's kind of having the respect for that and understanding as to what we can do to make life a little bit easier at times where filtration needs to be done, for example, Um, And when it comes to making new drinks, it's also having that understanding that there are some limits to where we can be going at the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, Like we said, we couldn't fork out on tons and tons of kit to kind of see any fruit under the sun coming into our production space. So we're definitely working off of the back of we have apple processing equipment, which works for all styles of palm fruit and also some soft fruits can be used in it. Mm -hmm. Um, We've got something for citrus, which is how we came about for our uh, twisted limeade. Mm -hmm. Um, we know infusions can work because we've got heating elements in some of our tanks so that means we're able to sort of like with the cream soda for example we can do an infusion for multiple days we can translate that into other things that need steeping or infusing for days Um, and filtration is the hardest point to all of that because we've Mm -hmm. got to realize how how we're taking certain things out and with the variability and natural ingredients something like vanilla I, we still can't find online the exact size as to what people expect vanilla seeds to be as a size and to how to filter them out. So it becomes a bit of trial and error. And at the moment where we didn't have the flexibility with the equipment, we've kind of had to go a little bit too far. And well, I say too far, we don't actually know exactly how far. But to filter them entirely out, I don't think it's as appealing. And also maybe from a food safety perspective, having little black pods um, floating around in your drink might not always be the best option. Um, oh. I don't think our carbonator would
0: like that carbonator either. <laughs> so. I'll have to admit, I've been a product developer for so long now. I remember when um, ice cream first got the little vanilla seeds into it. Prior to that, I mean, I'm talking quite a long time. Um, you you just had ice cream without the little seeds, and then it got introduced by way of making a higher quality product. But the immediate reaction from the consumer was, oh, there's all these little black bits in my, in my ice cream. <laughs> Are these sweepings? What's going on? I'm like, no, they're highly expensive vanilla seeds. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, it's interesting the reactions you get from people, particularly if they're not expecting it. And in a drink, generally, it's, you know, we don't expect to see too much solid matter.
1: True. I guess we try and do the unexpected with flavours, which is the fun bit. So the the Twisted Limeade is a cardamom and sea salt limeade. So people, when they first see it, the amount of people that call it a lemonade is... Uh, (laughs) fair enough yeah that's understandable it looks like a lemon i get that on the front but um they'll dive straight in and be like oh that doesn't taste normal and we've got on the front twisted limeade so they have to then turn the bottle around and see and then they're automatically reading our ingredients list and we can have that conversation if we're face to face with the consumers um it's like a spiced adult bittery sort of style mocktail as opposed to just a fizzy drink a soda
2: yeah, I guess we're trying to take sodas away from that boring traditional, I guess you've got Coke and Fanta and things like that. We want there to be options out there for other people that want to try something new.
0: Hmm. Yeah, yeah, and your flavors are amazing. Your your cream soda actually is just, coming from a natural point of view is fantastic.
2: Thank you
1: very much. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, let's, let's, let's talk about things with this shoe on the other foot now in terms of how you've approached selling your product and marketing your product. What's been your approach there?
2: I guess selling was a bit of a challenge because we started during COVID. So everywhere we closed down um, pretty much when we started. Um, Start a business to sell pay. to the hospitality industry yeah. and goodbye hospitality <laughs> industry. <laughs> I guess, uh, in July we started, I guess we did a lot of promotion on sort of Facebook groups, like local Facebook groups and things like that and promoted the, I guess all of our apples That's what we started with the juice. Um, they're all local apples. Um, so we've got a huge amount of support from the local community around where we are. And from there, we went to coffee shops and delis because they were the places that were open um, when things were allowed to open up first. And we've got some really good relationships as I say, with the stockists that we, we still have now. And then as things started to open up, we moved towards restaurants, bars and a few breweries and I guess trial and error. Um, neither of us had sort of experience selling food or drink to the industry before. Um, mm-hmm. And it took a bit of trial and error to figure out where our drinks worked and where they didn't work and um, what the best way to approach people was. Um, so it's been sort of adaptive over time. It's mm-hmm. been a steep learning
1: curve because it's also thinking a little bit outside the box as to how you can get a different route to market when there are so many challenges to standard routes to market. Um, I yeah. guess one of the ones we've really like recently is um, the Great Taste Awards. So we've managed to pick up, we're really happy yeah. with this. We've sent in three, we've got three Great Taste Awards. But that sort of thing gets perceived really well in a deli environment where it might be overlooked to sort of uh, on a menu because you don't exactly put the stickers always next to it or anything like that. Whereas when you're shopping with your eyes, the bottle is, it's got a shiny sticker yeah. on it. It, it. it definitely attracts a bit of attention there. Um, and it's kind of just thinking of those different options. We've built our own website and mm. we try to do a bit on the direct to consumer. And it's a little bit of a challenge because neither yeah. of us have come from a web development yeah. background um, and to drive traffic there and try and do things logistics becomes a challenge shipping glass <laughs> bottles with liquid in is like a logistic a nightmare. company's nightmare <laughs> yeah so it comes with every premium under the sun so that introduced a whole other world of challenges and so on top of the sales distribution is also done by us yeah. at the moment um, and we do look with some of the couriers for sort of um, i guess the direct consumer um yeah. sales so they come in boxes of 12 for example and that's how we can fix the out, chip with them
0: cool um, so is, is is the two of you still at the moment? Are you recruiting? And
2: yeah, I guess at the moment it's two of us, eight days a week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. it's
1: madness. Yeah, the girlfriends have both Girl been dragged in. Mums come in. Your have parents in are coming. In. Dad's got yeah. It's it's wow. literally.
2: I think Ash's mom's probably employee of the month this month. She's helping us with yeah.
1: production and last month. <laughs> <laughs> she can get it for two months on the trial. <laughs>
2: Uh, definitely next year i think we'll need to start looking at employees um this year is sort of using up all of our favors (laughs) and then yeah (laughs) next year we're going to continue to expand and and next year i think we'll have to take on some people
1: i guess we kind of tried to not bite off too more than we can too much can't bite off more (laughs) than we can chew to start with like when we're deep in our production time i think setting time aside for like protected time to be this is for interviewing or this is for trying to recruit or something like that it's just not going to happen yeah. it's horrible but i feel like we let so many little areas slide at times when we're so head down in production but then yeah. it's almost taken yeah. that moment to consolidate i would say at the moment on that eighth day of the week um to make sure everything else is back on track
2: i guess the apple is very seasonal so this time of the year we're just busy producing and then we've got the rest of the year to work on the sodas and everything else that needs to be doing
0: that's fair enough it's fair enough um okay i'm going to ask you one more question but um I, um, before I do, because I know it takes people a few minutes to write questions in. Um, I just want to ask that. I love this. This is my favorite interview question, actually. If you had to, if you went back at, to the start of your business to give yourself some advice, what would you tell yourselves? I guess mine, mine, mine would definitely be that
2: space is really important. Okay. And if you have space, you'll fill it. Mm-hmm. So I think, um, if I went back to me two years ago, I'd say get a bigger unit <laughs> to start with. Um, <laughs> We had a small production unit and an office next door. And we ended up this year knocking down the wall between the two because we just needed more production space. Less than a year of production in in that space (laughs) and we had to expand. (laughs) Um, (laughs) so I think, yeah, past me would be helped by that information. (laughs) Okay.
0: Cool.
2: I
1: guess look for me, it's kind of just staying open to a lot of the opportunities that are there. Um, so many things happen from different things. So you're not expecting like we might be at a market that it's not going very well for example but you might meet a new local restaurant owner that's popped by that wants to have a quick chat and be like oh it's a new local product I'd love to when I open have you guys on the menu or something like that Mm
0: -hmm. there's so many
1: opportunities that can arise and you can network from them and build relationships and you never know how much people are willing to offer in different circumstances so it's yeah just staying very open and seeing what's going on it's that's nice
0: Okay, cool. So we've got had a few questions in on the chat. Uh, if anyone does want to unmute, by the way, and ask a question directly, please, um, please feel free. Um, I've had a question from Nick. Uh, hi, Nick. Um, just asking about what production volumes you're currently achieving.
2: Production yeah. volumes. Yes, so I guess at the moment, we're producing around just over 2000 bottles of apple juice a week at mm-hmm. the moment. Um, we do have capacity to do a little bit more. But storage at the moment is a bit of a challenge
1: yeah storage and getting <laughs> the kit working as smoothly as yeah. it could be um hmm. yeah definitely when we started it was a lot smaller and um, we were doing it like from the smaller equipment and to gain like a validation over the product so that was almost at sort of 300 bottles over sort spotted, three yeah. four days yeah because mm-hmm. of the infusion times and pasteurizing and the labeling Three four days, yeah. We sold about three hundred of bottles.
2: And I guess we did go through a big scale up um, before this apple season, so we've got all the new kit in, and we're still learning that a little bit. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. Because you're, did you say your mixing vessel's a thousand litres now?
2: It is. Yeah. Uh, we haven't used
1: it to a thousand litres. To yeah. be perfectly honest, we haven't even used it yet. <laughs> we um, we had uh, some problems with, I guess, logistics, um, like with everything at the moment. There were some stainless steel problems in Germany which meant the tank got delayed until partway through apple season. So we had a temporary tank and we were having to use that. And because all of the fittings don't work exactly in line at the moment, um, we were like, let's not try and mess about with it too much. Let's do what we know while it's this apple season and it gives us more capacity and scope for next year.
0: Yeah. Fair enough, fair enough, thank you. Um, Okay, question from Vicky. Hi Vicky. Um, She's interested in understanding how you decided on your packaging type, so bottles versus cans. Did you yeah what, what was your thinking behind that
2: yeah i guess when we started there's a um i guess you have plastic cans or glass were the sort of options for us um plastic we, knew we didn't want and i guess that kind of led us to the glass um point where they're sort of recyclable um i guess in the future we sort of thought about a recycle scheme but that's sort of distant in the future it's quite, um, challenging. It's quite challenging it's something we that but yeah that's that i think that's why we went down the bottle route rather than anything else
1: yeah i think like just from sort of individual perspective and i know it's not always the right one it's just what we thought at the time bottles can have a bit more of a premium feel to them um definitely not entirely true when you look at things like in other markets as well um it's just how we perceived it at the time and that's what we wanted to run ahead with
0: mm-hmm. okay that's fair enough um and the other question that you, you don't have to answer this actually is for specific: Did you buy or rent your premises? What was what were your thoughts on that one? If we
1: could afford it, to have bought we might have bought, but yeah, okay, we, we rented. Yeah. We rent it. <laughs> uh, I
0: thought it probably would, that's what you would have done. Um, okay. Oh, another a question from another ex-accountant, um, Matthew. I'm, hi, Matthew. Um, oh, he was asking about the amount for initial investment for mixing and bottling carbonated drinks
1: um i guess it varies massively um you can go higher end you can go lower end you can go semi automated fully manual um it it kind of depends on the capacity as well because even the manual kit that you can have it up to a capacity and it's almost how fast you're able to move is one thing for 10 15 minutes but if it's a seven hour bottling day you can't (laughs) be doing (laughs) exactly the same level of uh production at 6 p.m at night as you can at 10 in the morning after the cleans but um it's so variable um i I don't think there would be a fast and hard way to even suggest anything (laughs) on number wise
0: no i kind of agree with that i sort of it's working out from the bottom up a little bit um in terms of how big you want to
1: you could start with a 100 pound solar stream or you could dive into two three million pound bottling line and anywhere (laughs) in between
2: um yeah if we started on the solar stream that's how we got going (laughs) for formulation
0: no that's fair enough that's fair enough um Uh, Okay, probably one last question actually before we overrun Um, from Majed, sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name, Um, just asking about the proportion of your volumes that you're selling direct to consumer, just interested in how that channel's been working.
1: Um, I guess direct to consumer hasn't been a huge part of our um, sort of business. A lot of ours is sort of business to business as we get a bit more breadth of exposure um online um we touched on we're not the best at web developing or driving traffic and stuff like that it's (laughs) it's in the it's on the cards for next year to get some work done there um we do markets so we do currently two markets a month hopefully expanding as sort of christmas gets a little bit closer as well um so i guess the two markets a month online sales and sort of facebook instagram sales people do message us for it and we do local drop-offs um I guess it might be around the sort of twenty percent, which you said.
2: Yeah, I think it was much higher when we started. Yeah, and gradually as we got more stockists on board, it's obviously shifted, and it's a lot more B two B now than it was when we started.
0: Okay. Yeah. Thank you, thank you for that. Hopefully, that answered your question. Um, Okay. Unfortunately, we're going to have to stop there. I would love to carry on chatting. Um, But um, so I would just like to say, massive thanks, ever so much for joining today. Really appreciate it, and appreciate your candid answers as well i think it's uh yeah as i said setting up production is not for the faint-hearted but obviously it offers a lot of benefits as well and opportunities and uh, being open to those is is a fantastic thing thank you all and thank you Woody and Ash. thank you very
1: much thank you bye-bye Bye. bye-bye
0: if you've got a question about your product development you can always contact us via the website www.froghop.co.uk You can pick a free of charge introductory call at www.froghop.co.uk forward slash meet. You'll find a wealth of free resources for starting, developing and scaling your food or drink product and business at www.froghop.co.uk forward slash resources.